So, uh, <laughs> we're going to start it off, though, with uh, the number one most important thing, which is our Doyle Bunsen our quote of the day. poker quote for you poker players. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing how much correlation there is between gambling and, uh, and reefing. reefing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it is a gamble. It's like a series of controlled bets. Yeah. That is all it really is. <laughs> so informed. And the people that are the most successful are the ones that make the best bets. That's uh, <laughs> pretty interesting. All right. So what Doyle Brunson says today is 90% of the hands uh, aren't shown in a poker game. 90%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're trying to uh, if you're trying to protect your chips, you throw away your cards. Ninety mm -hmm. percent of the time. If you don't want to show the world your failure, you just muck them. Yep. Right? <laughs> uh, nope. I went up against the best and they lost. And muck. how can you prove it? Uh, just go out there and search the the forums, the groups, the this and that, and find out and just kind of look at the the proportion of how many people actually share. Hey guys, look at I failed. Hey guys, look I failed. Versus, uh, hey look at my awesome tank. Or maybe just uh, asking questions. Yeah, really the only, I think the inverse of this is true then too, which is if 90% of the hands aren't shown in a poker game, the ones that you see are the winners, yeah, right? Yeah. And so the 90% of the failures that are happening in the background are the stuff that you never, ever, ever see. But it's so. the most valuable lessons to learn. It is valuable to share your wins, but even more so the failures, because that's where we all can learn from. All right, so in that spirit, uh, UV sterilizers uh, are worth the time, money, and effort. And this is one of those things where I tied these ones together, is because there's so many people who run into fish disease, don't know what to do it, uh, killing your pets is not something that you post on Facebook. Killing your pets is not something that you post on social. Mm -hmm. uh, it's embarrassing. You're not proud of it. You're probably sad. Yeah. It, it just isn't something that you would do. Uh, and then the people that are successful, you end up kind of seeing this, like the people that didn't fail. Uh, and what mm -hmm. are those things people, those people share? So uh, UV sterilizers, a core belief on UV sterilizers. So, so we're uh, we're talking about episode 14 of the 52 Weeks of Reefing. Are UV sterilizers worth the time, money, and effort was the title of that one. Our core belief is embrace that parasites and disease are in the tank. UV will be the reason why it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter for you. Yes, I'll say it one more time because this is very different than the message <laughs> we gave 52 weeks of reefing of being more brave. There's more experience on this one. Mm -hmm. Embrace that parasites and disease are in the tank. UV will be why it doesn't matter to you, right? And today's, today's episode is actually going to be more uh, not just UV. We're also going to incorporate uh, some of the other things and how you manage fish disease in mm -hmm. your tank. So it wasn't really our entire episode on this one uh, yeah. in 52 that, that encapsulated this. So we're going to fit it into this one. So what is the number uh, first thing that we believe matters most in relation to this? Uh, so matters most. First thing, number one is eradication is a 1% solution, meaning like uh, eradication. Can you 100% eradicate uh, the parasites and disease that are in the tank. We just told you that embrace that they're in the tank. They're, they're just in there. So eradication is only a 1% solution. So what's the other 99%? Yeah, and so it is. It's a 1%. It's, it's chasing 
like this kind of like a fairy. This you know, right? sterile environment that had nothing, uh, there's no exposure to anything bad or potentially harmful. The question about whether or not it's possible to eradicate that stuff in the tank it isn't real because it is. It just takes an enormous amount of effort. The problem that I've seen is, you know, Humblefish did it pretty well on his forum uh, and he describes eradication versus management, mm -hmm. meaning acceptance in there, managed to that back, or eradicate it. And here's the thing is, as you get further and further along in your skill set, eradication becomes more and more real. Oh yeah. It wasn't real day one. No. You know, uh, most people are not gonna do those things that are required for that. And so the reason that I, I wanna say that first is eradication is a 1% solution is because what ends up happening is so much of the community ends up shaming people that don't do it perfect, mm. the way that they would do it. Instead of recognizing that that person's actually doing it 90% better than everyone else. <laughs> if you can say I'm doing it better, 90% better than everyone else, and I'm doing it with a lot less effort, uh, I, I think not only are you helping people by sharing that information mm. uh, and that experience, but actually getting hung up on that last 10% is a disservice to the community. Oh, right? yeah. Unless you shame, like, like frame it up right, which is like, yeah, dude, here's the place, the 80-20 of it, 80% of the results, 20% of the effort. If you want the other 20%, this is what it looks like. It's hard, but I'll show you how to do it when you're ready. Mm. Those are totally, that's a helpful conversation instead of disruptive and shaming. Is that the... You think about the path of what absolute eradication looks like and, and how you would how would you achieve it. It's not just, uh, you know, getting rid of the ick, you know, so 70, 70, how, was it 72 days or how many days for, you know, the life cycles and chain transfers and all this other stuff. And all right, I, I beat ick off of my live fish. Uh, there's corals that you have to worry about bringing in these uh, diseases and parasites. Uh, there's uh, cleanup crew, inverts, snails that you would have to start considering. At the laundry list of uh, complete eradication and how to get there uh, just starts piling up and you go, oh, well, anything that you ever put in the tank would have to be quarantined to some, de to some degree and eradicated off of those. Yeah, so not only do you need a medicated quarantine up front, I need a medicated quarantine for every snail, fish, coral, drop of water, hand, everything that is ever going to touch this tank. And the quarantine needs to be 10 feet or something away from the other tank and the nail sitting there for months. So it's a if, huge undertaking. Yeah, if you are willing to sign up for, I'm gonna maintain, uh, uh, I'm gonna medicate every last fish that goes in there. Uh, I'm going to tank transfer method I'm gonna uh, medicate them with uh, copper or whatever other disease, or uh, like, each one of these things has a different chemical for right, them. But, right, right. You know, you're gonna go after flukes, you're gonna go after the whole thing. If you're gonna do all of that, sweet. Now the tank is probably has minimal to no parasites in it. You'll never get 100% certainty, but at this point I will know that, hey, there's a very low likelihood many of those things made it into the tank. Mm -hmm. You probably PCR test it to be sure. All right, but then every last coral from the beginning to the end is yeah. gonna spend you know weeks to months inside of another system that can't get another fish or coral in there and that you're cross-contaminating uh, and, and and then every snail every uh, like you and it needs to not even be in the same room you're uh by the time that you actually are able to achieve that that level uh i would imagine that 
uh, I, I just picture this uh, laboratory environment where you have, you know, full body suits with airlock chambers that you go from one place to the other and uh, like maybe downstairs can't be, you think about your ventilation system, even uh, if you have the systems downstairs, when the ventilation system kicks on, it's not just that it's 10 feet, now uh, it's running through the ventilation system, all this other stuff. It, it's a daunting task to me, like, almost, uh, almost unattainable. Well, it's kind of to me like if we could all say, if in my car I installed a roll cage, a four-point harness, and I wore a, a helmet while I drive to work, would I be safer? Yeah, but I'm not willing. Uh, <laughs> you know, so like, there, there's got to be a point. I'm willing to put a seatbelt on. I'm willing to uh, uh, buy a car with airbags. Mm. I'm willing to you know do all these things. Uh, I'm willing to drive safe. But I'm not going to put a roll cage, a four-point harness, and a helmet while I drive. So <laughs> it's the same thing. So uh, uh, competent management, uh, what we believe matters most is the next one, is competent management is the 80% solution with only 20% of the effort. Meaning manage to the fact that they're in there. This doesn't necessarily have to be the end game for you, but for most people, this will be the giant leap forward from mm -hmm. where they are today. Yeah, uh, and you only, we're talking, you know, 20% of the effort, if you spend, if you put 20% of effort into managing uh, for these pests, you're, uh, you're 80% of the way there. It's mostly just what types of fish do you pick, the husbandry, the diet, and UV. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll elaborate on that a little bit, but yeah. like if you do those four things, uh, you're doing it better than 80, 90% of the people out there uh, and can pat yourself on the back. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, QT is not eradication, but it's an evolutionary step that we need to catch mm. up to. So this is the piece that so people far behind. You know, confuse yeah. uh, a lot about. It's like, all right, well, if I quarantine my fish, then I will never have these problems in my tank. Well, we just described why that's not the case because uh, uh, anything that has a life cycle that spends anything off of the fish, it can settle out in sand and snails mm. and crabs. It can, can travel through it air. Can in, it's in the bag of water. Mm -hmm. It can be anything. So quarantine is not an eradication tool. It's part of an overall path to eradication, but in itself it is not. But Here's the thing. The problem is, if I use the QT, if I do a QT either because I bought it from somebody or I learned how to do it myself or the fish store is doing it proper, well, then in that case, I will definitely have eliminated many of the pests that are in ways that you can introduce these things into the tank. Mm. Like, uh, you know, eliminated the ways that amount of flukes, parasites, uh, ick, velvet, uh, all these different diseases that can make it into the tank. I've dramatically reduced the chances that I'm going to put something in there that's going to cause an immediate outbreak. Hmm. Yeah, uh, but what we also believe matters most here is that it's a step we, we all need to catch up to as a, kind of one of those points that uh, we talk about it. And you see it talked about all the time. There's, you know, some people that actually make, uh, make the effort and attempt to do a, set up a home quarantine system. It just hasn't become uh, the, the status quo across the entire hobby. Like this is just what you do as part of the hobby. It's not, it's an option right now. And if we can get it to a part of the process to building a successful reef, then a lot of these problems start happening less and less and less and less. I'm gonna say it, this is gonna be the bravest mm. thing I'd probably say in the whole thing. Mm. Uh, it's because in any other area where you buy a pet, 
the assumption is that you're buying a healthy pet yeah. that won't get my other pets sick, <laughs> whether it be a puppy, uh, a cat, a well, uh, bunny, or whatever. And all of those, uh, in a majority of the time when you get those pets, they are required to have vaccinations and shots yeah, and deworming and all these other things. Part of the process is like, you can't even buy it. Yeah, yeah, you can't even buy it. You cannot take your pet to the vet unless they already had all that stuff beforehand. Yeah. They're going to have to get it. There is a expectation that the pet was healthy. In this case, it's worse. Mm. It's not only is there not the expectation that the pet is healthy, it's actually like the people selling them generally hide the fact that it that almost certainly that is. is yeah, that it has uh, if afflicted. It's almost certainly been exposed to parasites that you're going to introduce your tank to yeah. this thing. Mm. Right? And they're afraid to tell you that, hey, I have another option that will cost a little bit more. So, but like, it's like, would you buy a puppy that doesn't have all of its shots and isn't healthy? Do you really want to save that uh, 100 mm. bucks, you know, or whatever it is? Like, yeah. No, I want the puppy. The, the reason I got it is to bring joy to my family, not <laughs> to bring a sick animal in my house. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the sick. In fact, it's going to cause problems down the road. Like so, with a, a you know a sick puppy, you're going to add all these vet bills afterward that the hundred bucks just could have avoided. Yeah. Uh, in this case, it's going to be the sick pet that I added in that killed all my other pets. <laughs> Hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. Yeah. So uh, that is kind mm -hmm. of the weird point that uh, you know that when we say that. QT is not eradication, but it's an evolutionary step that we all need to catch up to. I'm talking the whole industry that I, I don't know, man. There's a lot of pushback on the cost of the animals and they're going up. Mm. Uh, and so it may be that there will always be a cheap option. And we just need to get better at the DIY portion of this. Right. Like if you want to become a veterinarian at your own house and DIY QT and figure out how to do it, uh, well, then that part should get better too. But there should be another area that or of the like whole industry that like allows you to you know purchase pets healthy to begin with. Then there's the third people that are just rolling the dice. Well, that has kind of the you know like the unexpected or uh, intended uh, like results. Yeah. Just rolling the dice. You know what's going to happen. Like again, ninety percent of the hands are never shown. You know? So. Right. Uh, we also believe that matters most is that UV doesn't eliminate parasites. It just controls the population. And one times turnover through that UV sterilizer uh, if, is enough for something that replicates in days and, and weeks. Yeah. So like uh, the life cycle of ick is like in measured in weeks, uh, meaning it lives on the fish, it falls off, it replicates and, you know, it has a goes back into the water, mm. catches on the fish, and then it multiplies population every single one of those times. Yeah, but the life cycle is in weeks. With uh, velvet, and the reason why it kills fish so much faster is the life cycle is measured in days. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but in any case, if I have a UV sterilizer, which again the UV sterilizer doesn't kill the parasite in most cases, what it does stops is them from replicating. Sterilizes it. Yeah, stops them from replicating. So. If I pass virtually all of the water through a UV once every single hour, I'm going to keep the population of those parasites mm. way, 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 way down. Because you're catching them at any point of their life cycle. It's not one little tiny speck of ick that's killing a fish. It's when the, the ick overwhelms oh. the, the fish's ability to deal with right. it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, 
that is like the fundamental problem that like people just didn't pick up in the past is I don't need to eradicate it from the system for it to be valuable. No. I just need just to manage keep it. The population of these parasites yeah. so low that it doesn't overcome the fish's uh, immune system and something that replicates in a matter of weeks if I process all the water once an hour I it's can probably good. do that. It'll catch up. Yeah. Right. Uh, we also believe that matters most uh, is UV can prevent outbreaks of most parasites that spend part of their life cycle off the fish. Uh, there's some parasites and pests and diseases that just don't leave the fish. They're on the fish and they bring it down. Uh, there are parasites like ick that spend part of their life off. Uh, and that's where this whole prevention thing we're talking about so, uh, catching them in a point of their life cycle when they're free floating in the water column. Are you going to get every single last little speck that ever were to float in the in the water column? No, but you you're getting more than uh, than none. Yep. So what uh, I would say is like something like Brook lives on the fish uh, and doesn't spend any of its like life cycle in the water. So it's probably not going to mm. be very valuable to eliminating it. And even if one falls off and lands on another fish, it may replicate just that one uh, mm. and overwhelm the fish. So it may be that it ends up going through the sterilizer, the one that fell off too. It'll probably reduce the chances, but not the most valuable tool here. But the things that matter most to you guys are probably ick and velvet. Yeah. Like if you 80-20, the amount of diseases that you guys are going to run Those into. Those are big ones. Yeah. That is the two that are probably, velvet's the one that's going to, like before you know what to do, it's already killed everything. Mm. Yeah, but UV can prevent it even if it's one that only spends its life cycle on the fish. And because uh, if I'm running the UV sterilizer beforehand, prior to you know the infection or affliction, uh, there's a chance that that UV sterilizer gets to it before it afflicts the fish. So the, another piece in here, the next one, what we believe matters most is UV can be a solution to an ick outbreak, but not most other pests. Yeah, we're talking like after they're already uh, afflicted with the pest or disease. Like you actively see ick on your fish and you go install the UV sterilizer after the fact. More, uh, like the brook and of the brooks of the world, they're, those fish are pretty much already gone by the time you see it. Yeah, by the time you've ordered or bought a UV and installed yeah. it, the the velvet is already overtaken. But right? as, a, as a part of a holistic management approach, uh, you know, you adding UV when you see the ick, plus, you know, the other things that we're going to talk about as far as uh, management, uh, you have a fighting chance. Yeah, so the reason I pointed this one out is uh, this is a change from what I said in 2015. Like right? once you see it, it's, it's a tool. Yeah, like it isn't UV. a tool for, uh, it's a prevention tool, not a treatment tool. I, I'm going to backtrack on that as I better understand the life cycle of the organism, organism and I've, I've talked to people that have, you know, made me believe otherwise. <laughs> uh, and this is why. And actually, we've seen it here now, too. Yeah. Uh, this is why. is because with ick, you have life cycle. Uh, if you catch it and, like, the whole thing is just overwhelmed with ick and the whole tank is, like, a day away from dead. Very slim. Uh, you're probably not a great tool. Yeah. But if you see that just one fish is breaking out in A ick, couple spots, a few spots. It means that the guy is going to fall off. He's going to go turn it into 20. He's going to go and replicate. Mm -hmm. or if it doesn't turn into many more than that. And it will just create a, pro a pot. It will overwhelm the other fish. Yeah. However... If you see that the first thing you do is go out and buy a UV and you put it on the tank immediately. And by immediately meaning, 
don't spend time trying to figure out how to plumb it into your system. Get some soft tubing, drop a pump in the system, yeah. and let it just get get it going. Just throw a pump over the edge. It'll be ugly for a minute. Uh, get the ick under control, and then figure out how you're going to plumb it in yeah. for a later yeah. day. But just essentially create a closed loop. Uh, this is uh, the we. This is one that we learned on the 900 over here because that purple tang uh, when we dropped mm -hmm. the fish in there and. Uh, you know, the ick was probably on some of the live rock that we re, that we uh, repurposed for this tank to make it an insta tank. In which case, when that purple tang went in there, he was stressed out for being in a new environment. And guess what? Covered in ick. Like mm -hmm. He was ick covered. But we did the UV sterilizer after the fact. Uh, and now, can't even see it. Yeah, so we took a lot of rock and uh, 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 coral from, uh, you know, the local fish stores. Yeah. And... I, dude, there's just no chance, man, in unless, that environment that it hasn't been exposed to it. Yeah, that it's goes just, back to that. You, you, unless you were good, unless we were to quarantine every piece of that live rock and every piece of that coral, and then you know. Uh, nah. But in a fish store environment where there's constant <laughs> fish going in and out, uh, in a live rock where you can't use copper or you'll kill everything beneficial on the, co on the, uh, nah. the live rock, like, I it. It's not a sentence that anybody wants to hear. Uh, certainly the fish stores don't want to say out loud or hear, but it's true, man. It's just probably there. And so we can choose to ignore that fact and pretend it's not real, or we can embrace the fact mm. that there is going to be fish parasites in this tank. And in this one here, uh, it was put the UV on. Well, they're still in there. They're just not killing anything. Yeah. And visually, you can't see it anywhere because the populations are so low. Yeah. Ah. You just said it. Embrace that the parasites and disease are going to be in the tank. That's our core belief. Boom. Uh, next one that we believe matters most when it comes to UV sterilizers and are they worth the time, money, and effort? Uh, UV installed wrong is low value, almost uh, just a, a brick. And we're talking you know, like flow rates and to some degree the plumbing, right? The you know feeding it, recirculating just the sump and not the display. But flow rates is like that key point. Yeah. So you need to. I, I won't harp on this too long because you guys have probably all heard this before. But there's a specific flow rate and exposure time to the UV that you to sterilize to sterilize it. Mm -hmm. And with uh, at least with the Emperor Aquatic ones, the most of them are rated for parasites to turn the water over about once an hour. It's very slow. So it's a combination of two things. Like with with something that replicates in a matter of days to weeks, I don't actually need to turn over the water like 80 times an hour mm -hmm. to be effective. Getting most of the water through the UV once an hour is adequate solution mm. to uh, keeping most, like very few parasites in the free flowing water. Yeah. But what I do need is to make sure that I have the right contact time. So with the, the UV dose. So what be. happens if it goes too fast? Right. Then they don't get sterilized on the way through. And, yeah. yeah. And if it goes too slow, then you... Uh, you run the risk of not processing enough of the water so you don't get them all, right? It's kind of like sun tanning. You know, if I went out and hung out in the sun for, you know, three minutes, I'm probably not going to get much of a tan. You know? <laughs> uh, you know, you have to, like, you know, build the job to the application. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in this case, <clears throat> make sure you do the, the flow rate right. You can do it in an elaborate system, like uh, getting a flow meter from an apex or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have an apex and a UV for God's sake, get the flow get the meter. Flow meter. It'll be so much happier, right? But if you don't own the Apex already, then don't. But uh, it, it's as easy as draining some water out of the tank uh, or just, just below push a, 
ice cream bucket or something or a one gallon bucket below the water surface wherever the return is and turn it on and count how, how long it takes to fill a gallon of water from there you can calculate how many gallons uh, uh, an hour it is it's not that hard to do yeah, but and you know companies like pentair the the uh, professional tools of the world uh, have those specific flow rates just written there and all you right. have to do is follow it, follow it. Yeah. <laughs> and some people are like oh i don't want to do that that bucket method sounds like whatever like no but like embrace the fact there's disease in there and you want to do something about it and care for the pets this is actually a really simple thing yeah. for and that if you do it wrong then you're basically uh just bought yourself a very expensive uh paperweight uh, you know i we you challenged me earlier today like is there a different method of uh, flow meter uh, that we could mm. uh, you know, discuss. I talked about that with Dave too. And I don't know, I'm gonna go look and see if there is like a non-Apex flow meter that's like really easy to uh, oh, yeah. install. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if there is a, for non-Apex, I'll, I'll be honest, it'll probably be 200 bucks and then you'll yeah, be just by the Apex. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's probably a, a specific tool for some of the plumbing but industry. But you can do it manually. Uh-huh. Uh, and if you don't want to do if you don't want to do it manually, there are other automated options. But installing it wrong. Also, the other piece that he said is a lot of people because it's easy. Plum. I just want to plumb some water out of the sump and have it go through back into the sump rather than go through my returns. This is like a, a retrofit install, mm. right? This is somebody yeah. who wants to install it after the fact. They don't want to yeah. cut apart their plumbing. Uh, is that better than nothing? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Is it going to do what you want it to do? Probably not. Because you're you're actually just kind of recycling the same water inside of the sump. Whereas and the sump only turns in most cases over three to five times an hour. Yeah, you're gonna be recirculating the same water over and over again, which means I'm not going to get most of the tank water through the thing every hour. I'm just gonna get most of the sump water mm. through every hour, which is going to recirculate itself. Uh, is there a way to do it that way? Maybe, uh, but even in the sump, you have problems that some of those parasites are gonna get caught up in the filter socks and stuff, and that's where they may hatch. You're like, I, I, I wouldn't. I would do it right, and mm-hmm. which is right means either a closed loop in the tank itself, or probably through one of the returns, which is by far the most common. Yeah. Is uh, have the water from your return go through it. I don't have the water from your overflow go through it because you'll have air bubbles in there. It'll be mm. another total mess. <laughs> uh, but we'll explain it. Actually, I talked to Dave today. I think we're going to do a video actually on how to install a UV end to end, all of the little nitty gritty retail uh, details. So that'll come up at some point. All right, next one. Uh, we also believe that matters most is that the sizing matters, uh, the size that you get. And there's a difference between. Uh, large utility made for the industry uh professional grade ones and toys uh size if you go look at uh any of the pentairs that we opened before these things are bulky yeah they're either super long uh or they're really big and wide but uh on purpose because there's a lot of you know for sizing up to 500 gallons 600 gallons you either need a lot of contact time in length or a lot of contact time and volume, uh, but it comes down to like if you don't have enough, con- if you don't have the right contact time, then it's just not working. So there's a balance of cost and you know what's realistic as well here, right? Yeah. And that there might be diminishing returns in one direction or another, but I'd say there's three <clears throat> categories. 
there's toys that you should just avoid. Uh, these are tiny little things that are super duper cheap. Twisty loopy yeah, deals. Yeah, gimmickies on them. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like, it's like, it's funny because you see this, like, uh, you know, they have little twirlies in them and, mm. you know, and it's supposed to be like, well, yeah, you're going to get more contact time. Like, no, if I put a hundred <laughs> gallons an hour through a pipe and pump it in and I pump out a hundred gallons an hour, it's the, the twirly didn't make it go any faster or increase contact time. Mm. It's just a gimmick. <laughs> uh, and maybe the twirly does something different. Uh, 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 who knows? But I've never talked to anybody who believes in that. So... Here's the second piece is then there's the other extreme end, you know, the uh, Pentairs of the world. This is the commercial application. Mm. This is what the zoos were used. This Aquariums, is what uh, aquaculture yeah. uses. This is what a lot of many stores use. Freshwater applications, tons of them. This Ponds. is when like having it work is mission critical. And if it doesn't work, unacceptable. Uh, and like these businesses thrive on it needs the highest percentage result possible and there's a reason why that uh that pentair thing is really big you know and it's going to mm. be kind of hard to fit inside of many stands and sometimes the high output ones that are a little bit more compact are better but you can also run two by the way so mm -hmm. if i if i needed 50 watts i could get two 20 watts or 225 watts and kind of run them in series which are going to be smaller yeah. yeah they'll be smaller there's different ways to do it but that is the other extreme end, which is it absolutely has to work. Otherwise, everything in my aquaculture facility is going to die. Right? <laughs> uh, and then the business goes yeah. under as well. You, you can't have people visiting a, a sea worlds of the world or aquariums of the world and see just sick fish. No. Yeah. It's that's not acceptable. It's be a... uh, okay. Then <laughs> there's the middle ground, which I would call the aqua UVs, mm -hmm. right? So the aqua UV is not as big around as the. Uh, the pentairs. Uh, yeah. It's also not a twirly twisty tool. Uh, and the reality is, is the contact time won't be the same in many cases on this. They're even rated a little differently. Mm -hmm. You can see they're not as aggressively rated when you look into the UV dose and time and stuff. Yeah. But they're actually significantly cheaper and they're significantly smaller as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones I would suggest is, in many tanks, is consider the 57 mm. watt, which is a compact higher output uh, yeah. form factor. That thing is actually going to fit under the stand in most instances. It's an R750 XXL. That's the mm -hmm. old, about the only one we could fit in there because everything is so already just jam-packed in there. But Yeah, and so I, you know, so something's got to deal with the dose of reality. I just avoid the toys. If I could fit it, I'd fit the commercial ones. But mm -hmm. like, if that isn't true and I'm dealing with a dose of reality and I still want to protect my pets, uh, the Aqua UV is definitely the answer. Yeah. Uh, we also believe matters most. Good nutrition may help, but poor nutrition absolutely hurts. It was a, uh, you know, it's probably, I wonder if this sparked that uh, garlic conversation of curing ick and stuff down the road, where it, rather than the garlic, the byproduct of just a healthy appetite and healthy food and, you know, proteins and fats and, you know, for your herbivorous fish, feeding them a proper varied diet and all this other stuff was uh, actually the leading culprit to keeping some of that ick and parasites and stuff down versus the, like, the, the whole garlic notion. Uh, so, you know, if you have a poor appetite, if you have a poor diet and poor appetite and you're not really uh, considering the full nutritional array of your food to your fish, 
it actually does more worse than good when it comes to management. So like, this is my 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 pool of people on garlic. Uh, there's no answer 100 percent right mm -hmm. now. Probably never will be. Uh, is uh, <coughs> garlic uh, is to me is a product of if enough people say it at the right time, it must be the solution. Like nah. you know, in reefing, plausible theory with enough people actually turns into fact somehow. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't know many people that believe that garlic actually prevents ick in any manner. They, some people do believe that if the garlic helps make the food, make them eat, well then of course, yeah. uh, an, an, an animal getting proper nutrition will bear do better than one that isn't. So if you put garlic on there and it causes them to eat and they wouldn't eat before, then yeah, absolutely. There you go. Uh, I've actually seen some reports where the garlic actually damages the organs of some fish. So mm. like uh, over a prolonged period of time. So uh, I don't know what the daily allowance uh, for garlic is in a fish or what it is for humans, but I would tell you what I don't. I wouldn't use it. Yeah. I've never. I've never used garlic. I probably wouldn't. But nutrition, uh, actually, you know, like if you think about nutrition as a holistic approach, as to, you know, like the antheas that. This is an organism that eats all day long. You know, am I feeding it the Kalanis four times a day? Do I have I figured out an auto feeder for it? Because fish don't just die. You know, they die either because of stress, husbandry, poor water quality, or nutrition. Like, you know, I guess old age you can throw in there too. But, <laughs> uh, and and parasites, yeah. I guess as well. Uh, so if you can, you know, solve most of that stuff, and this hits that piece about, you know, I. I we're borrowing a book heavily here from Humble Fish because when I read that article, it spoke to me. It was like, mm. finally somebody that's brave enough to come out and really say, there are two paths in here. There's the like, uh, uh, you know, just I'm, I'm not looking and roll the <laughs> dice and hoping for the best. But there's also the management solution and there's also eradication and there are steps on a journey. You know? Yeah. So basically what he said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, you should go read the article, but uh, it's the UV, get the biggest, baddest one you can because it will keep the population of parasites down. Mm -hmm. Good nutrition will help uh, the uh, animals fend it off just through a normal immune system. Uh, and uh, think about husbandry. And you're going to hear a couple of these other pieces about husbandry here in just a second. But the next one that I have here is stressed fish are often patient zero. Gosh. Right. Uh, I've been a victim of this before. Or not maybe me, not a victim, but uh, yeah, you okay? So you bring in this is what happened to me. My 125, I had fish in there. I had powder browns, uh, ick magnets. Uh, I had uh, powder blue ick magnet, and I, a whole bunch of other tangs and whatnot. And I was just on this tang kick. So I went to the fish store, and I got uh, man, I saw this gorgeous clown tang, uh, just zipping through and through and all over the place. And I was like, man, that guy looks great. Uh, and bringing him into the new environment in my tank and all of the other tanks kind of checking him out and picking on him, stressed him out. He got covered in ick. Next thing I know, all of my fish gone. Ick covered and dead. Yep. So uh, it's a good chance that that non-stressed fish uh, would have overcome the ick because it's probably already in the tank. Mm -hmm. uh, and if he wasn't getting attacked and stressed out, uh, then you know what? 
could have got over it. You probably could have got over it. There's a really good chance anyway. Or if you were using UV and you Mm -hmm. were uh, managing all these other things. So uh, stress fish are often patient zero. So... You know, like, think of this as like a contagion oh, or well, yeah, zombies. You, you look at your yeah, you look at your tank and like, oh, that one's got it, but nobody else does. So the rest oh. of them got to be okay. And then all of a sudden, no, oh, as soon as it overwhelms that one, man, they're all gonna go looking for something else. Spreading you know, the zombie start, disease. Start spreading. So uh, thinking about stress, and that was part of the thing that we talked about with the habitat, and the aquascapes, and stuff is. You know, if we have a place to, you know, for the all the fish to go and be away from aggression really easy, right. and there's more than, there's double the amount of locations that actually is required. I don't have 20 locations for 20 fish. Yeah. I have 40 locations for 20 fish. The chances are that he's probably not going to get harassed. He way lower chances that he's going to get stressed out, have disease overcome him, and then have the disease overcome the whole tank. Patient zero. Okay, uh, and also, just like what you described, a single stress event can push the balance in the wrong direction. Mm. And so, uh, I think this is before your time, it was right about when we were launching the uh, 160 here, we had uh, some Achilles tangs in uh, a frag system that were here, it was a big mammoth system, Mm -hmm. like eight feet long, uh, that we were, you know, watching before we put them in this tank, and at that point in time, we felt like, visual quarantine was a real thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, not, it's not not a thing, but it, it only does so much. This is a good example because actually the Achilles was doing really, really well in there and a bunch of other fish as well. Uh, and then something happened and it triggered the uh, breaker box. And well, over the weekend, the power went off to just the heaters. Mm. Okay. So the That's temperature of the tank fell to about 72 degrees. Uh, from 78, when we came back on Monday, uh, the, the Achilles had ick, and then within a matter of days, uh, it started to spread everywhere, and then everybody was dying. And, and when I say ick, it could have been velvet too. Uh, these things are, are look similar to the average eye, mm-hmm. and that was eight years ago, so I don't know. Well, you said a single stress event. Now, so I've, was, I've heard it. was just a temperature. Oh, yeah, the, the heater dies, and all yeah. of a sudden everything goes up. That's one of the most popular ones for the stressor events is either tank getting cold or tank overheating. Uh, but, you know, stress event in, you know, maybe the flow gets turned off for a little while. Maybe the power went out for a little while. You did your best. Everybody survived, but guess what? The power comes back on. It's not just heat-related so many different stress you left your lights on all night long and then some fish get stressed out over stuff like that even adding new fish or changing aquascape or habitat or something they've been used to and those those changes stress event trigger the the disease and parasite wipe out i got news for you you're going to encounter multiple stress, stress events. events. <laughs> just uh, happens. A heater is going to break. Yeah, uh, some yeah. your pH is going to be an issue one day. You're going to leave the lights on for three days by accident. Dose for two days yeah. straight. You're accidentally. Going to do, you're going to, there will be many stress <laughs> events along the way. You'll do a water change that wasn't heated or it was too big. Mm. You know there'll be something that happens in this. You'll add some fish that uh, like uh, are mean to each other, cause one and like. It's going to happen. Mm. Uh, that's why we consider what do we do about it and how do we manage to the fact. Like it's that piece that we asked or, or we talked about earlier. It's like the people that accept the inevitable and manage to it are just way more successful than the people that assume won't happen to me. Yeah, because it's yeah. going to happen to you. Yeah. Uh, this next one too, uh, we believe matters most is that uh, skip the ick magnets. Just 
just avoid them. The thin mucus coats, uh, tangs, you always hear like the powder browns, the powder blues, and the Achilles, and uh, a variety of the other tangs are, are uh, the most susceptible to things like ick and disease and stress events and things like that. So uh, you can just choose to avoid it altogether. Yeah, I, you know, I, I asked, you know, I've talked about this one with Elliot and marine collectors quite a bit, and I'm not gonna quote him correctly here, so mm. don't put, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but, you know, he's uncomfortable about getting fish out to people like Achilles, because you think just because you got it quarantined that you can put it in your tank and uh, because that sick is, that fish isn't sick, that it won't become an ick magnet. Mm. No. If any of the other things you've done is introduced ick, now that ick will get onto the Achilles tang, it'll become patient, patient zero. zero in a yeah. single stress event, yeah. right? Which might, the stress event might be adding the fish, you know? <laughs> uh, and so if you think about it entirely, like, and then you start thinking about all of the coral introductions and the snails and whatever, he's like, dude, you're, you're basically just putting an ick battery in the tank. Mm. Don't do it. And I'm like, well, that's so sad because I really would like a whole the lot of fish that are not available to me anymore. Okay, you know what though? This is the part that uh, came to me in the end is I'm unwilling to do the elaborate, you know, quarantine every last snail frag forever. I will. I'll mess that up somewhere in the middle so it just kind of like becomes not yeah. a good point. Uh, what I am willing to do, though, is I am willing to quarantine or buy fish from a quarantine source uh, in a fish-only system. Mm. And if I bought in a fish-only tank, you know, that's filled with a school of Achilles or something like that, uh, in that system, as long as we quarantine them all going in there first, I don't have the series of other things that are going in there forever. And now I can successfully house those uh, fish mm. without those concerns. So if some of those fishes are like really, really near and dear to your heart, there are ways to do it without adding the ick magnet to your tank. So, you know, really avoid all of those things in there. There's also series of, he, he you, you can look at it this way, like, all the tangs have a thing, thinner mucus coat and they're often the first ones to go. But like a yellow tang or a pur purple tang. Pretty hardy. Less so than the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a purple uh, or a, like a hippo tang, uh, like more susceptible for sure. Mm. But the uh, Achilles tangs, the powder blues, the powder browns and stuff of the world, those things are the most acceptable, <laughs> uh, commonly susceptible yeah. uh, to these types of diseases. So, uh, you know, you might want to like, if you're just going to not listen to any of this, at least consider the roadmap. Uh, and then if you fail, don't be surprised because it, <laughs> it's probably a, a higher, a low percentage outcome that you will succeed. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the worry it is then is all the people that raise their hand like, no, I did it. Yeah, you did, but there's the 90% of the hands that weren't shown, mm. you know? <laughs> uh, so, like, yeah, it's helpful. That. It's hard, man, because it's helpful to show your successful paths. But, you know, it, you know one of the best things you can do is, like, if you say that, like, hey, I did this path and it worked out for me, but I have to admit that uh, I've also seen this gone wrong for more people than mm. right. That is actually helpful. Or if your experience literally is, is I've seen this, uh, I've never seen this have be a problem for anybody and I uh, know 20 guys with tanks. I will share it, man. It's part of the conversation. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> this, 
what we believe matters most, we've been talking about him this whole time, Humblefish. Read Humblefish's article. It's got his, uh, his own website. Uh, I think he has got his own website or forum Humble also. Humble.fish. Yeah, Humble.fish. There you go. But that, that one that really is that article that really spoke to us and really spoke to you and started leading this conversation was that uh, ick, eradica ick eradication versus ick management. Yeah. So pick a path. Close your eyes and hope it doesn't happen to you. Pick management, pick eradication. They'll actually give you a lot of tools on all of uh, any one of those paths. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason that there's a lot of people out there that share information on this, and it's an imperfect science. It's like mm. you know going to a doctor. If I went to a doctor with something, uh, three of them would tell me slightly different variations. Yeah, uh, prescribe something different. Know, and... One of them's favorite thing is penicillin. The next one's amoxicillin. The next <laughs> one's uh, some other thing. Uh, so there isn't a, like an absolute truth in all of this. The reason that I like Humblefish's approach is, A, he's considered multiple paths and he's not just hung up on only the eradication piece, mm -hmm. although he knows it's the best and he wants to help people find that journey. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm reading into this, by the way, just from reading all the articles, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, the mentality that's behind it, so I hope I'm getting it right. <laughs> uh, but... When I read it, it also is written in a way that the average person could do this. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, and I'm actually seeing as the articles evolve, sometimes they were originally written with like, all right, so you want to treat, you know, Brooke. Here's the 15 different ways to treat Brooke. You're like, I don't want to sort through all that garbage, man. The 80%. You know, like, how would you do it? I will do go follow that. Yeah, give me the 20% so, that gets me the 80% 80, 80 yeah. of the way there. If there is a if there is 15 ways, great. I'm glad you shared that knowledge. But also... To be the four most successful. Just tell me the one way that you treat Brooke when you see it. Yeah. What's one your, way. The first go-to. And, and if that doesn't work, what would be the second Go to the one, next one. Right? No. Uh, be brave enough to share that in my experience, this is the best. And what that's what I'm seeing out of Humble.Fish and, and what he, the information he's sharing and why I continually say, hey, uh, what I believe matters most is don't listen to Randy and Ryan on this one. Go Actually, go Fish. check out the, the, <laughs> his forum because he's really the source of knowledge on a lot of this mm. to begin with. Some hard lessons in relation to UV and... Uh, uh, also, just parasites. And stuff that we learned from just testing it, too. Mm -hmm. uh, hard lesson number one from UV sterilizers. Are they worth the time and money? You can run two. It's probably not needed. This is uh, the setup of the, your 360. Or it's like, okay, well, there's two different flow rates for these pentairs. There's one for parasites and uh, diseases, and there's one for, like, algae and uh, uh, protozoan algae or what have you. So... Uh, one, out the algae flow rate is higher and the uh, parasites and, and whatnot is lower. So, you know, if, I'm, if my flow rate's set for deficient disease and management, then does that mean my, I'm not getting the algae benefit out of it? And if my, my thing's set for algae, am I not getting the parasite? Uh, so then the thought process is, well, what if you just set up one at each flow rate and then you're just knocking it out? Two birds, one, two, two birds, two stones. Yeah, so something like if you're going to try to treat for dinos, something that replicates, you know, in maybe a matter of minutes to hours instead of days to weeks. Faster flow I got, rate. I got to process that water way, way yeah. faster. Like mm -hmm. to actually prevent the population from exploding, we need way, way, way more passes through the UV sterilizer for it to function. Uh, also, something as simple as a, a dinospore is just doesn't need the same contact time to be sterilized as a, a, an actual parasite. 
And this kind of gets into that conversation too, like will it kill your copepods and stuff? Like, like if you think of an ick parasite and the complexity of that organism versus uh, something that has actual appendages and looks like a little shrimp walking around, <laughs> it's not going to affect your ability to have copepods in your tank. Yeah. It's targeting these tiny, tiny, tiny little like mm. microscopic creatures almost. So, uh, yeah, uh, I would say that I put two on my tank. I reset it up in my office, and I only put one this time. So uh, what's what's more important? Is uh, preventing or managing disease uh, more important, or these algae or you know dino or whatever uh, thing? And I think what the solution that we landed on that we told people was. Uh, aim for the fish, you know, aim for the lower flower rate. And if you run into some of those other problems, kick it up and to solve those problems. So the nature of it is you'll buy the, you know, the Pentair, uh, you know, 50 watt, you know, UV, mm. and it's rated for a, you know, 300 gallon, I'm making the number up, I'm not sure the exact gallons, but it's yeah. rated for a 300 gallon tank. Well, so in that spirit, uh, you can run it at about one times turnover, and uh, it is good, you know, 300 gallons an hour for your 300 gallon tank. Or you can run it at five times or six times that, and now it's good for parasites that replicate multiple times in an hour and need to process the water roughly every 10 minutes or so, right? Yeah. Most of the water every 10 minutes. But it's the same UV. I don't have to change out UV sizes or anything. It's just the flow rate. So if you can get something like a, a flow meter, which makes it a lot easier, yeah. if I run into parasites uh, or if I, if I run into dinos, if I run into bacterial blooms, all that kind of stuff, I can just speed it up temporarily to solve that problem. And once I've solved it, I can still bring it back down to the fish level. Yeah. Uh, and it won't be probably totally you know, ineffective on the parasites for the fish during that time. It just won't be very good. Yeah, it, well, if you, you know, for me, the matters most is that I'm preventing the possibility of an ick outbreak. Uh, so mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose, an, uh, me personally, I wouldn't choose a UV sterilizer, run it at the algae rate or whatever the faster rate it's is. A tool. It's, yeah, because we've seen it in the 750 where you hook it up for a day or two, problem's gone, mm -hmm. and then you took it out. Well, you know, if that's a short-lived amount of time, I can just turn up my flow for a day or two. So infinite budget, infinite space, having one set up to, uh, you know, run or manage, uh, you know, bacterial blooms and stuff, sure. Uh, but in a real world <laughs> where infinite budget, infinite space isn't usually the thing, I, you know, I, in fact, in our case, I had two already. I just didn't have the space to install all of them. Uh, so I set it up to protect the fish that are in there because that's what matters most to me. And if I ever ran into an issue, uh, but with an established tank, those issues are pretty rare. Pretty, yeah. Yeah, pretty so I, like, I don't think I'm going to run into an issue where I need to change it. But if I did, I could. Uh, it's the same size. Uh, 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 another hard lesson. Uh, this one's going to be kind of hard to do for most people. But if you start a new tank, my belief is that a closed loop is probably best. You don't have to worry about, uh, I mean, it's got its own independent pump, which means I can adjust the flow rate. Well, let's explain what a closed loop is just for a second. Okay. So instead of going <clears> through, like putting it, having the water go over your overflow and go into, uh, through the sump, and then through the UV back up to the tank, which is technically a closed loop, right? Right. Closed loop, I mean, is put, two drill holes in it, one input and one output on the back of the tank somewhere, maybe near the top, wherever you want it. 
and I'm only processing the water in the tank. Uh, nothing's getting caught up in filter socks, nothing getting caught up in anything. Water, the only thing that's happening now is water is draining through that hole, going through the UV and going back out. Mm. I think that's probably best. Well, your 90% of your water volume is in the front of the, is in the display of the tank. So if you just want to filter the biggest body of water, only run it through the biggest body of water. Mm -hmm. uh, you benefit is you, you have an independent pump and now adjusting the flow rate doesn't, doesn't mean I have to worry about adjusting the uh, height in my sump or the, or the pump chamber or my return pump. Uh, I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, a different floor. So you got two pumps that run each, each of the overflow. Maybe one has a UV sterilizer on it, but if I'm, if my redundant pump, uh, because I have a redundant pump system and my, my one with the UV sterilizer fails, well, then I haven't lost without a UV sterilizer. So my biggest concern is that uh, it requires, if you put in a sump, all the water is gonna first go through a uh, felt material or a filter sock in many cases. And a lot of times they'll actually get caught up in that. Uh, they'll settle out, they'll hatch and whatever. So I didn't get a chance to really sterilize it. I'm gonna sterilize then after the fact the things that hatch out of there. Mm. Whereas if I'm processing just the water, I'm getting them you know, before they actually hatch, I'm getting them after they hatch. And I'm not saying that you have to do it that way. I'm just saying if I was planning a brand new tank and especially if I was gonna have ick magnets mm. or expensive fish in here, uh, and I was doing a custom tank or even not a custom, I just want to, I mean, it's super easy to drill glass. I, I think I would try it, but I wouldn't feel bad about it if I just had to do it through the return. Right. Yeah. Uh, hard lesson learned. Uh, this was a investigative test that we did and that is about the flow rate. So, uh, we did two different types of tests on this one. We put uh, brand new dry rock with, uh, dry sand and a UV and two flow rates on the UV sterilizer. Um, we, what we were trying to solve algae versus that protozoan flow rate. And if that, if those flow rates matter, so does the algae rated flow rate, the higher, faster flow rate actually help prevent the algae? Or, uh, if I set it to the lower flow rate, will it have the same effect, but also, you know, taking care of, uh, uh, diseases and, and parasites and whatnot. Uh, and come to find out that the algae flow rate actually does help the algae. We had established dry rock that we put into a tank. It started growing ulva and algae, but the uh, the tank with the, the lower flow rate for ick and disease grew the algae faster. The tank with the algae flow rate actually grew it way slower, if not like almost slowed it or stopped it. Didn't It didn't stop it completely, it didn't eradicate the algae. Uh, but it definitely slowed the spread and the growth. Right tool, right job. So if you tune the UV sterilizer to fight algae and uh, parasites, it worked. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say that we found in the end that eventually, if you just let them all go, they'll, eventually they'll all come to the same place. Right, 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 right. Like it will take twice as long to get there if you're using the UV as if you didn't. But the part that that doesn't incorporate is the fact that in a normal world, I'm doing maintenance. In a normal world, I got shrimp and crabs. I got fish that are eating all that stuff. And so if I can reduce the chances of that by half or the length of time it gets there, the chances that I encounter this go way, 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 way right. down. So yeah, uh, we found that flow rate absolutely matters and just kind of matched with like the general, you know, I don't know, I guess commercial. Uh, just verified that the, yeah. Knew. yeah.
another hard lesson is bulb changes. So uh, you need to either figure out how you're going to remove that whole thing, uh, you know, periodically once a year, or you need to figure out how you're going to be able to pull that tube double out the, of the length. Edge, yeah. Right? Yeah, so well, one, you have to do the bulb changes. So once a, after like a year or so, these things, yeah, you know, if you're going beyond a year, then it's not an effective tool. And, uh, don't they, there's a certain percentage that they're rated for, I think, uh, bulb life wise. The good is, ones are rated to be able to, like, basically at 70% bulb life yeah. that will work, though, or 70% output reduction, which is the end of life for, right. for the bulb. Mm. The good ones are rated. I've been caught into that to begin with. Yeah, but one of the hardest things is you have a UV sterilizer that's, you know, you know four feet long or three and a half feet long or what have you. And uh, now once you get that, think about once you get it up into your stand and or if you turn it straight up and down in your stand, how are you going to get that bulb out? Because it only comes out the one way through the top and the bulb is just as long as the body. Uh, I'm, I can't get it straight out vertically and horizontally. Uh, you have to plan for it. But this was one in your plumbing that you and Jeremy had to plan for. Well, you know, so I've done this many times where I've installed the thing in a hard, difficult to place to get to. Uh, thing that I'm, I know full well when I remove it, some water is going to get on the floor. Not a lot, but enough. Mm -hmm. uh, and then because of that, I never changed the damn ball. Okay, so at my house, though, I installed the UV sterilizer on the floor, and we made sure that you could just pull it right out of the tube. I changed it, unscrew the thing. There's no water or anything. You just unscrew the top thing. It sits inside of a quartz tube. You pull it out, swap the bulb out, screw it back in. It was a two-second thing, and like, oh, I do this on time every time. Yeah. Uh, if you can, if you can install it uh, with the top up, and have enough clearance, do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, like, if you can install it in any direction in which that you can pull, just pull the tube out. Uh, do that. So <laughs> think about the bulb changes when you're installing it. And it might just be, this is probably one of the hangups where people don't want to install UVs because they can't figure out how to do it, you know, that way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes behind the tank is the right solution. You know, yeah, yeah. Come in and out and pull it out, especially if you already have an external overflow. Uh, <laughs> these next hard lessons, there's uh, about three of them here, or just four of them, there are four of them here. It's called the just do it section. And uh, if you're wondering, should I get a UV or, or not, if you're on the fence, or when should you get one and when not, these next four hard lessons are just do it. Yeah. If, starting with the first one, if dinos are making your hair, making you pull your hair out and you're just tired and tired of fighting them, you feel like you're losing the battle, just get UV. Just do it, man. <laughs> just UV get one. is probably the only solution you'll need in half the cases. Yeah. Uh, you can darken out the tank, three-day dark outs, blanket it out, you know, filter, sieves, the whole, all this other stuff. Uh, after repeated attempts, if it doesn't work, just go buy the UV sterilizer. Specifically, if you're looking at it and you see sheets of dinos during the day and at night they break up and you don't really see as much of that garbage mm. in the tank, UV is your solution, almost certainly. Because they're free-floating at night, yeah. which means they're going to pass through the UV sterilizer at night. So, uh, and you don't need to install it permanent. You can choose to just hang it, get a hang on one or hang a, a pump over the edge of the tank mm -hmm. uh, and just have it kind of be ugly for a couple of weeks while you solve this problem. Uh, but you don't like, have, to, pull you don't have to permanently install it. So if dinos are making you pull out your hair, just do it. Another one, if you're going to do bare bottom dry rock, meaning a sterile tank with no sand, 
just do it. Yeah, the bacterial blooms, the ugly browns, the dinos, the all of these things are uh, mm -hmm. uh, because of the, we've had that biome conversation yesterday, and in a dry rock, bare bottom, sterile environment, the uh, the opportunity for some one of the pests to overrun the system uh, versus you know a healthy biome or whatever or, or uh, bacteria's. Uh, are a lot chances are a lot higher. In which case, with the 750, we found uh, that bacterial blooms were just constant. It just happened. Uh, but it's, every time we put a UV sterilizer on, it was Done. gone. Done. Yeah. You never know the problem. Uh, so this is kind of like seems like odds each other. The problem is a sterile tank, and so you're going to add a sterilizer to mm. it. Uh, and I can understand the mentality, but the reality is, is what we're dealing with here is we're preventing the least desirable organisms from taking over the tank, mm. uh, the photosynthetic ones. And so, uh, yeah, adding a UV sterilizer to a sterile tank doesn't help it become less sterile, but what we're looking for is the things that grow on the surface of the rock in most cases. Uh, those are the things that are gonna prevent a lot of the pests, and those things aren't affected by the sterilizer. It will take a little bit longer to cycle the tank that way, uh, maybe, in a material manner, almost certainly not. And will you avoid a lot of those pests that a lot of people run into? Uh, absolutely. So bare bottom, dry rock uh, tank, no sand, sterile, just do it. You <laughs> will not regret putting the UV installing it in there. Another just do it hard lesson to get the UV sterilizer. If you're going to have expensive fish or a lot of fish, just just buy the UV sterilizer, especially the expensive part. Like. If the, the $500 UV sterilizer protects thousands of dollars in fish, yeah, that's worth it. Uh, Let's call it the uh, 10 or 20% rule, yeah. right? If the sterilizer costs 10% of the total cost <laughs> of fish that's in there, you probably it's get a one. super awesome insurance policy. Ah. I think that you could probably cut it all the way down to even like 30% mm. of the total fish in there because uh, Zeta's outbreak on a long enough timeline is really common. Yeah. So if if you think about it that way, if you have really expensive fish and it's a 2% of the cost of the fish, for God's sake, yeah, uh, it is a thing. total no-brainer at that point. <laughs> uh, just do it. Okay, uh, another one. If despite counsel otherwise, uh, you're going to randy it and fill it with <laughs> ink magnets. I'm sorry. I, that's your story I will earlier. too. Uh, yeah. Time if you just, again. if you just like, I want a brown, a powder brown, powder my, blue, my favorite tanks. fish in the whole wide world. Yeah. Powder brown. I want uh, Achilles. You can't stop me from doing it. I don't care about your crappy advice. Uh, you know what? <laughs> just do it. You just do it. Just put <laughs> just the UV sterilizer UV. in there you'll dramatically reduce the chances or increase the percentage, the, uh, percentage paths to success here. Yeah. If you're going to not listen to that counsel, for God's sake, just put the UV <laughs> in there. Right. Uh, we also, hard, uh, hard lessons that matter is, uh, you know, this one you know, becoming more popular too. Where you buy your fish from act, it matters. Uh, I mean, I've seen it all from all, um, not to harp on the big box stores, but uh, like the Petco, I would personally, I would go into Petco to find sick fish to buy just because they're discounted. And there's something about like trying to revive or rescue those types of fish and, and uh, expand my knowledge in the QT and medication. Um, but there's places out there where you could buy that just 
like do this for you and spend some more money. If cheap is the only thing, man, that was definitely the, the right direction. Yeah, you know, that was my. Uh, that's actually where we got Fang and Sir Chomps a lot uh, for their original how to stir a saltwater. Cheap as you could go. I just needed some fish now. I was on my <laughs> way to work, you know, uh, and so but. It does matter. So where you buy your fish from matters. It's the same thing of where you get your cat or your dog from. It matters. Yeah. There's a crappy place to get it from, and there's a good place, and there's various degrees in between. Sometimes you might get lucky, and sometimes you won't. I would just say if cheap is the only thing that matters, then there's lots of options. For a lot that. of options. There's no, that's just dictated by a price tag. Yeah. Uh, there's no, there's no, that one's the easiest one to obtain. The rest of it is actually just going to be mostly trust. You know, because you're going to have to trust that this person is good at, you know, husbandry, mm. selection, uh, and uh, uh, getting you a healthy pet. Uh, and here's the reality of it is, as I've seen this go down, like, I, you know, people go buy a you know, $200 fish that has been quarantined that otherwise would have cost 80 mm -hmm. uh, And then that fish, you know, they put it in a tank and it looks like it gave the whole fish, you know, tank ick or whatever like oh that didn't work out i you know blah blah, blah. well it might be that that person just doesn't do it very well mm -hmm. but also it might very well be that uh, uh you already had ick in the tank and it's it not was a stressed fish that you put a brand new fish in and it got ick from the tank because it already had it <laughs> you know because you didn't do this to begin with and all of it so you have to be kind of careful, like just because you ever got disease from, mm. you know, some place you buy fish for, it doesn't mean they're bad. Uh, it means that you might have been bad about it beforehand. Right? There are, uh, it's sad to say, but there are, you know, uh, fish stores or online places that will just sell you anything that the, you want to point your finger at just because of, of a dollar. Okay, I, I don't know how to say it any other way. The If this... Paying a lot for it will not guarantee that you've got uh, a healthy animal. Mm -hmm. It won't, because the person might do it. They might put a lot of work into it, and they might do it poorly. So it's all about trust. It's all about trying to figure out somebody that you believe has you and your tank's best interest, and uh, as an organ, as a person or an organization is thinking about you and helping you be successful. Uh, you know, the other direction is, uh, I, I guess. Detrimental to the hobby. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. You're just gonna have to figure They're it out, out on, on your own. But uh, where you buy these things from absolutely matters, and it's mostly just about trust. I will tell you the other direction is that if it's the cheapest possible place to buy the pet, it isn't the best place to mm. buy a pet. Yeah. Uh, unless you want to be your own veterinarian. <laughs> uh, the next piece. Ah, uh, this is a. Good conversation, Sparker, here. QT, hard lesson. QT is an unpoliced, non-descriptive term. Uh, being cheapest is its own tell. So uh, you go uh, go poll you know, the forum, uh, one of the forum groups, or on the Facebook groups, or any of these other things, and, and just to get an idea of, all right, what does QT mean to you? Is it is it visual QT? Because we thought that was a thing at one point in time, just watching. Uh, is it you know, actually medication? Is it tank to tank transfer? Is it uh, the healthy diet portion? Is it the UV portion? Uh, so I might go to a, a fish store or a place online or somebody's house and say, yeah, I QT. And yeah, maybe the QT definition to them is I set it in a tank, washed it for two weeks. It looks like it's eating and it, there's no diseases on it. So it's been QT'd. 
And then there's the opposite. There's uh, you know, you're going even steps further and saying, yes, the IQT and I have racks of different, uh, you know, days and times written on there when the fish go in, when the fish come out and it's all medicated and they go to another place and they go to another place and they work through this. And then there's a tank to like, there's the QT is, uh, there is no definition of, and, and nobody's like, uh, nobody's coming up with a universally agreed upon definition. Here's the hard truth of the matter as uh, knowing the behind scenes a little bit here is proper QT means I'm going to hold this fish for a prolonged period of time. You know, yeah, it's a money uh, if not a week, two weeks. Uh, yeah. Whereas the other one might only be here for days, mm. which means to do this, you know, at the same level of profitability, like that person has to be willing to have a facility that is three to five times bigger than the facility that's required just to turn and burn them. Oh, yeah. Right. So if they have a 50,000 foot facility uh, for turning and burning, then the proper one would probably have to be a quarter million square feet. Right? <laughs> There's a lot of cost that goes into doing this right. Uh -huh. And I've never seen an in industry in pets anywhere where the biggest ones do it the best. They mm. almost always do it the cheapest, but they don't do it the best. Mm. Right. And so, uh, I don't know, man, you're going to have to decide for yourselves, uh, you know, what level of QT, zero QT, which is magic fairy tale. It says we QT here, but doesn't give any description as to what or how. And if they are doing it right and they're putting a lot of effort into it, they want it to is share. a major selling point and it costs them a lot to do. They will share the details of how they do it. If it's just as we QT stuff here, uh, I don't know. You know <laughs> I, I, and it's the cheapest, uh, then almost certainly no. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, you know, I think those are for the people that are looking for those uh, avenues, you can go out and see, you know, how to find, you know, what you're looking for from that. Because there's probably a matrix of like, you know, Elliot is, at Marine Collector is going to hold the thing, you know, until it's absolutely healthy to the best of every known abilities and to spend all the time hunting mm. the thing down. But also the $50 fish may very well cost 180 bucks, man. And you may not want that level of security, right? Yeah. Uh, and it, they're just a matrix in there. Some people will, some people won't. But note that just because it says QT means you should ask a question of what does QT mean to you? Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So what's next? 